spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. This is Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Creepy presents the 31 Days of Horror. Day 16. Tulpa. Last year I spent six months participating in what I was told was a psychological experiment. I found an ad in my local paper looking for imaginative people looking to make good money, and since it was the only ad that week I was remotely qualified for, I gave him a call. We arranged for an interview. He told me all I would have to do is stay in a room, alone, with sensors attached to my head to read my brain activity, and while I was there I would visualize a double of myself. They called it my tulpa. It seemed easy enough, and I agreed to do it as soon as they told me how much I would be paid. And the next day I began. They brought me to a simple room gave me a bed. They attached sensors to my head and hooked me into a little black box on the table beside me. They talked me through the process of visualizing my double again and explained that if I got bored or restless, instead of moving around, I should visualize my double moving around, or try to interact with him, and so on. The idea was to keep him with me the entire time I was in the room. I had trouble with it for the first few days. It was more controlled than any sort of daydreaming I'd done before. I'd imagine my double for a few minutes, then grow distracted. But by the fourth day, I could manage to keep him present for the entire six hours. They told me I was doing very well. The second week, they gave me a different room with wall-mounted speakers. They told me they wanted to see if I could still keep the tulpa with me in spite of distracting stimuli. The music was discordant, ugly, and unsettling, and it made the process a little more difficult, but I managed nonetheless. The next week, they played even more unsettling music, punctuated with shrieks, feedback loops, what sounded like an old-school modem dialing up, and guttural voices speaking some foreign language. (laughs) I just laughed it off. I was a pro by then. After about a month, I started to get bored. To liven things up, I started interacting with my doppelganger. We'd have conversations, or play rock, paper, scissors, or I'd imagine him juggling, or breakdancing, or whatever caught my fancy. I asked the researchers if my foolishness would adversely affect their study, but they encouraged me. So we played, and communicated, and that was fun for a while. And then it got a little strange. I was telling him about my first date one day, and then he corrected me. 
I'd said my date was wearing a yellow top and he told me it was a green one. I thought about it for a second and I realized he was right. And it creeped me out. And after my shift that day, I talked to the researchers about it. You're using the thought form to access your subconscious, they explained. You knew on some level you were wrong and you subconsciously corrected yourself. What had been creepy was suddenly cool. I was talking to my subconscious. It took some practice, but I found that I could question my tulpa and access all sorts of memories. I could make it quote whole pages of books I'd read once, years before, or things I was taught and immediately forgot in high school. It was awesome. That was around the time I started calling up my double outside of the research center. Not often at first, but I was so used to imagining by now that it almost seemed odd not to see him. So whenever I was bored, I'd visualize my double. Eventually, I started doing it almost all the time. It was amusing to take him along like an invisible friend. I'd imagined him when I was hanging out with friends or visiting my mom. I even brought him along on a date once. I didn't need to speak loud to him, so I was able to carry out conversations with him and no one was the wiser. I know that sounds strange, but it was fun. Not only was he a walking repository of everything I knew and everything I'd forgotten, he also seemed more in touch with me than I did at times. He had an uncanny grasp of the minutia of body language that I didn't even realize I was picking up on. For example, I thought the date I brought him on was going badly, but he pointed out how she was laughing a little too hard at my jokes and leaning towards me as I spoke. A bunch of other subtle clues I wasn't consciously picking up on. I listened and, let's just say, that the date went very well. By the time I'd been at the research center for four months, he was with me constantly. The researchers approached me one day after my shift and asked me if I'd stop visualizing him. I denied it, and they seemed pleased. I silently asked my double if he knew what prompted that, but he just shrugged it off. So did I. I withdrew a little from the world at that point. I was having trouble relating to people. It seemed to me they were so confused and unsure of themselves, while well, I had a manifestation of myself to confer with. It made socializing awkward. Nobody else seemed aware of the reasons behind their actions, why some things made them mad and others made them laugh. They didn't know what moved them. But I did. Or at least I could ask myself and get an answer. A friend confronted me one evening. He pounded at the door until I answered it, came in fuming and swearing up a storm. You haven't answered when I called you in fucking weeks, you dick! He yelled. What's your fucking problem? I was about to apologize to him, and probably would have offered to hit the bars with him that night, but my tulpa grew suddenly furious. Hit him, it said. And before I knew what I was doing, I had. I heard his nose break. He fell to the floor and came up swinging and we beat each other up and down my apartment. I was more furious than I've ever been and I was not merciful. I knocked him to the ground and gave him two savage kicks to the ribs. 
That was when he fled, hunched over and sobbing. The police were by a few minutes later, but I told him that he'd been the instigator. And since he wasn't around to refute me, they let me off with a warning. My tulpa was grinning the entire time. We spent the night crowing about my victory and sneering over how badly I'd beaten my friend. It wasn't until the next morning, when I was checking out my black eye and cut lip in the mirror, that I remembered what had set me off. My double was the one who'd grown furious, not me. I'd been feeling guilty and a little ashamed, but he goaded me into a vicious fight with a concerned friend. He was present, of course, and knew my thoughts. You don't need him anymore. You don't need anyone else. He told me, and I felt my skin crawl. I explained all this to the researchers who employed me, but they just laughed it off. You can't be scared of something that you're imagining, one told me. My double stood beside me and nodded his head and smirked at me. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I tried to take their words to heart, but over the next few days, I found myself growing more and more anxious around my tulpa. And it seemed that he was changing. He looked taller and more menacing. His eyes twinkled with mischief, and I saw malice in his constant smile. No job was worth losing my mind over, I decided. If he was out of control, I'd put him down. I was so used to him at this point that visualizing him was an automatic process, so I started trying my damnedest not to visualize him. It took a few days, but it started to work somewhat. I could get rid of him for hours at a time, but every time he came back, he seemed worse. His skin seemed ashen, his teeth more pointed. He hissed and gibbered and threatened and swore. The discord music I'd been listening to for months seemed to accompany him everywhere. Even when I was at home. I'd relax and slip up, no longer concentrating on not seeing him. There he'd be. And that howling noise with him. I was still visiting the research center and spending my six hours there. I needed the money, and I thought they weren't aware that I was now actively not visualizing my tulpa. I was wrong. After my shift one day, about five and a half months in, two impressive men grabbed and restrained me, and someone in a lab coat jabbed a hypodermic needle into my body. I woke up from my stupor back in the room, strapped into the bed, music blaring, with my doppelganger standing over me, cackling. He hardly looked human anymore. His features were twisted. His eyes were sunken in their sockets and filmed over like a corpse's. He was much taller than me, but hunched over. His hands were twisted and the fingernails were like talons. He was 
in short, fucking terrifying. I tried to will him away, but I just couldn't seem to concentrate. He giggled and tapped the IV in my arm. I thrashed my restraints as best I could, but could hardly move at all. They're pumping you full of the good shit, I think. How's the mind? All fuzzy. He leaned closer and closer as he spoke. I gagged. His breath smelled like spoiled meat. I tried to focus, but couldn't banish him. The next few weeks were terrible. Every so often, someone in a doctor's coat would come in and inject me with something or force-feed me a pill. They kept me dizzy and unfocused and sometimes left me hallucinating or delusional. My thought form was still present, constantly mocking. He interacted with or perhaps caused my delusions. I hallucinated that my mother was there, scolding me. And then he cut her throat. And her blood showered me. It was so real that I could taste it. The doctors never spoke to me. I begged at times, screamed, hurled invectives, demanded answers. They never spoke to me. They may have talked to my tulpa, my personal monster. I'm not sure. I was so doped and confused it may have just been more delusion. But I remember them talking with him. I grew convinced that he was the real one. And that I was the thought form. He encouraged that line of thought at times. Mocked me at others. Another thing that I pray was a delusion. He could touch me. More than that, he could hurt me. He'd poke and prod at me if he felt I wasn't paying enough attention to him. Once he grabbed my testicles and squeezed until I told him I loved him. Another time he slashed my forearm with one of his talons. I still have a scar. Most days I can convince myself that I injured myself and just hallucinated that he was responsible. Most days... Then one day, while he was telling me a story about how he was going to gut everyone I loved, starting with my sister, he paused. A querulous look crossed his face and reached out and touched my head, like my mother used to when I was feverish. He stayed still for a long moment and then smiled. All thoughts are creative, he told me. Then he walked out the door. Three hours later, I was given an injection and passed out. I awoke unrestrained. Shaking, I made my way to the door and found it unlocked. I walked out into the empty hallway and then ran. I stumbled more than once, but I made it down the stairs and out into the lot behind the building. There I collapsed, weeping like a child. I knew I had to keep moving, but I couldn't manage it. I got home eventually. I don't remember how. I locked the door and shoved a dresser against it. 
took a long shower, and slept for a day and a half. Nobody came for me in the night, and nobody came the next day or the one after that. It was over. I'd spent a week locked in that room, but it felt like a century. I'd withdrawn so much from my life beforehand that nobody had even known I was missing. The police didn't find anything. The research center was empty when they searched it. The paper trail fell apart. The names I'd given them were aliases. Even the money I'd received was apparently untraceable. I've recovered as much as I can. I don't leave the house much, and I have panic attacks when I do. I cry a lot. I don't sleep much, and my nightmares are terrible. It's over, I tell myself. I survived. I use the concentration those bastards taught me to convince myself. It works. Sometimes. Not today, though. Three days ago, I got a phone call from my mother. There's been a tragedy. My sister's the latest victim in a spree of killings, the police say. The perpetrator mugs his victims, and then guts them. The funeral was this afternoon. It was as lovely a service as a funeral can be, I suppose. I was a little distracted, though. All I could hear was music coming from somewhere distant. Discordant. Unsettling stuff. That sounds like feedback. Shrieking. And a modem dialing up. I still hear it. I hear it still. A little louder now. Hello everyone, I'm Rob Weeks, and if you're hearing my voice, it means you have great taste. Go you, because if you're hearing this, it means you're choosing creators who are actively trying to make the world a better place. This time through the charitable organization known as Roll for Change. Roll for Change is a nonpartisan community of creators working together to advocate for a more inclusive and just society. What does that mean in real life terms? We run charity streams to help people. Our first stream raised upwards of $3,000 for the Trevor Project, the nation's leading LGBT suicide prevention organization. Our next stream is to benefit the American Immigration Council. What is the council and why are we trying to help them? Well, the council promotes and defends laws and policies that honor our proud history as a nation of immigrants and seeks to drive a rational public discussion on immigration. They believe that immigrants deserve a fair opportunity to make their case before immigration officials, that immigrants strengthen America by bringing skills, talents, and new energy to our economy, that America's doors must remain open to those who come in search of safety and protection, and that it is important to have honest debates driven by the facts, not fear. The stream will happen Saturday, October 21st from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at twitch.tv slash rollforchange. But here's something new we're doing. If you can't make it to the stream or just don't want to wait to donate, you don't have to. Starting right now, you can go to bit.ly slash rollforchange. That's the numeral 4, all lowercase. Or you can text COUNCIL space your donation amount space the name you want credited with the donation to 41444 and follow the instructions. That's it. With your help now, we could get a huge jump start. 
and blow our goal away during the stream. And it's never too early to start helping. Join Roll for Change and the American Immigration Council family in ensuring justice and fairness for immigrants. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at roll for change for updates and follow the council at IMM Council. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, or to suggest stories for future episodes, please visit us at CreepyPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or email us at creepypod at gmail.com. All stories told on this podcast can be found at creepypastawikia.com and are protected by a Creative Commons license. Some rights reserved unless otherwise stated. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.